0: Welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. Welcome everybody, it's around about the start of May and in the last few weeks Australia and New Zealand have done a pretty good job of controlling the spread of the coronavirus here in our two countries and we're starting to talk about relaxing some of the restrictions and even going back to work and uh, resuming some businesses that have been closed uh, due to the pandemics. And today I want to talk about not just the immediate future as we look to resume some of our normal life, but looking ahead a little bit further and the future of the workplace. And, you know, we're all talking about going through unprecedented times. You might have even got sick of hearing that phrase. And it's true that it's unprecedented, but only because it's happening to everybody all at the same time and everywhere around the world but over the last few years I've worked with many leaders in businesses and industries that have also gone through this kind of massive and rapid change they also didn't know what was coming in the short term they couldn't imagine their future because it was unknown and because it was changing so fast and now of course it's not just restricted to one country or one industry but it's happening to all of us at the same time that said It's affecting us in different ways. I've heard people say that we're all in the same boat, but that's not quite true. We are all in the same storm, but we're in different boats and we're navigating our way through the storm. And when you think about workplaces, there are two kinds of workplaces. First, there's a kind that requires a physical presence. So people actually have to be there in the workplace. And these are things obviously like supermarkets and petrol stations and pharmacies and hospitals. And there are a number of places where you just can't work from home. And the second kind are the kind where typically knowledge workers who work from offices and they could work from home and many of them now have been forced to work from home. Now today I want to focus on that second kind of workplace. The first kind is important of course and workplaces where they the workers have to be there. They have to make some pretty big changes in some cases to allow them to reopen and allow them to thrive in the future. But today I really want to focus on the the office worker, the knowledge worker who's had to work from home and now we're just starting to see them come back and work in the office again. And I wanna talk about some of those changes and not only in the short term, where people have to come back to offices and those offices still have to become safe places for people to work. But I want to look a little bit further and look at the future. So, what has this big working from home experiment done for us? And what's it done for the the knowledge worker, the office worker, and organisations who've always thought about the office as being the main place where work gets done? So the the office was essential in the past and the office has been around for 200 years and is the place where knowledge workers go to do their work. And in the past you needed the office because that's where the files were, that's where the admin staff were, that's the only way you could go and talk to your team. So all of that was required. And so the the office was invented, was created to allow people to get together and get work done. But that's only been the case for the last 200 years. And now that we don't have to have our files in the office, we don't need our admin staff in the office. You don't even have to get together with your team members in the office. Now, all of those things have fallen away. And yet we still think about the office has been the main place where knowledge workers go to get work done. Now, there's been a shift away from that in some areas, and of course, there are people who work from home or work from co-working spaces, but it hasn't been mainstream until now. And pre-COVID-19, there was definitely a demand from workers, especially the younger workers, to not have to go to the office and to have more flexibility, but leaders and organisations were dragging their feet to make that happen. So, for example, pre-COVID-19, uh, Deloitte Research said that almost one in five Australian employers uh, offered the ability for staff to work from home. So it's only about 20% at that time. And yet, of employees want to be trusted when, where and how they work, according to some research from SAGE people. And a Robert Half survey, again this is pre-COVID-19, said that almost half of Australian workers would accept a pay cut for more flexible working hours. So employees wanted it, but businesses and other organisations were a bit slow coming to the party. So there are two main reasons for that, one is about technology and the other one's about people. And the technology reason is that quite justifiably, many workplaces weren't set up to allow people to work away from the office. KPMG has done some research for the last three years, surveying Australian CEOs about what their biggest issues are. And number one for each of the last three years has been digital transformation. So Australian CEOs recognize the need to become more digital but it's a big deal. And until this coronavirus pandemic, it hasn't been forced on them. But one of the things that coronavirus has done is that it's accelerated digital transformation. So we're now in the situation where because people have been forced to work from home, businesses and organisations have had to scramble and create the right technology infrastructure to make that happen. So now we've got the technology in place and we've still got to address some of the people issues around that. So let's talk about what this means for us, not just in the short term, but what it means in the long term. So as people go back to offices, we're not going to go back to business as usual. It's going to be very much business as unusual. And you can think about like when you stretch an elastic band and then let, let it go, it doesn't go back to its original state. It still stays a bit stretched. And that's the situation that we're going to face now as we are going back into the office. Not everyone is going to want to work from the office. Not every organization is going to want everybody back in the office. So we're going to have this mix of people working remotely and people working in the office. In fact, I don't like the term remote workers or virtual workers because it sounds like they're second-class citizens. I'd rather think of it as having distributed teams. So we're having team members, some in the office, some working from home, perhaps some working from a regional office or somewhere in another another part of the world, some working from co-working spaces, but no longer is the workplace a physical place. So let's look at some of the implications of that. And again, we should remember that we're different boats in the same storm. So not everybody wants to work from home, just as not everybody wants to work from the office and there's a spectrum. So some people have been doing it already, working from home, working from co-working spaces. So for them, The impact of this pandemic has been less than for some other people. It might mean that their social life has been hampered, their personal life, and even some of their work style has changed because perhaps they can't pick up their laptop and go down to a local cafe, or they can't work in their co-working space where they're used to working, so they're stuck at home. but they're safe at home and they're comfortable being at home. And they've already got a work style that allows them to work from home effectively. Now, there's some others who are experiencing this working from home for the first time, and they love it. And it's usually because they find that they've got a comfortable place to work. So they've got lots of space at home. They've got good internet access. They aren't supervising their kids during the day. They can, on sunny days, they can work from their back gardens. Um, They don't have to commute and they really enjoy not having to commute back and forth uh, every day. They can be flexible with their working hours, maybe for the first time. Maybe they love cooking and so they can eat healthy food at home. They can exercise outside at a time that they like, rather than being forced to do it before their workday starts or after their workday ends. So for many of them, they're experiencing it for the first time and they're really enjoying it then they're the people at the other end so they, they hate this idea of working from home and they, they feel rather than being safe at home they're stuck at home they don't like the isolation they miss their work colleagues they miss the office dynamic maybe they don't have a comfortable place to work from maybe they've got a partner who's also working from home and they they clash sometimes because they're trying to do online conference at the same time and and they're both trying to use video at the same time so it's it's and so it's placing some strain on their internet access perhaps they're supervising their kids who are around all day, and they've got pets around all day, and, and they just can't wait to get back to the office. So And so for them, working from home may not be a good option. And then there are others who are undecided. They haven't quite figured out yet whether this is for them, and they, they want to try it when they don't have all the restrictions. So maybe working from home could work if they didn't have their kids at home all day, or maybe it could work when they could stop and take a break and go for a walk and get a coffee at a local cafe, or they catch up with a friend during the day. Um, so they at the moment, they're not quite sure. Maybe working from home will work for them. Maybe they just need to go back to the office. Maybe they can have some sort of mix. So again, we are all got different boats as we're trying to navigate this storm. And for the future, we're going to have all of these options open to us. In the past, it's primarily been focused on people working from an office. And that is the the default, the the go-to option for people working and yet we're now in this situation where in the future we're going to have people who are going to be comfortable with things across this spectrum it's not just a case of working from the office or working from home it could be some mix of them and one of the best things that's coming out of this pandemic as far as this, the workplace for knowledge workers goes is that we've done this huge work from home experiment and that's a good thing for us in the long term And if you look at all the research, even before COVID-19, employees, especially younger employees, wanted flexible work. But many organizations just weren't set up to provide it and weren't willing to provide it. And the research is already showing that some people like the idea. So Colliers has done some research and they published a report called Working From Home During COVID-19. And 80% of the people they, they surveyed said they'd like to work remotely at least one day a week after the pandemic. So even if they had the option to work from the office, most of them would like to work at least one day a week away from the office. As 70% of people who'd never worked from home before the pandemic said they'd like to work remotely at least one day a week in future. A Robert Half survey about COVID-19 in the workplace said that almost half of employees are now more comfortable using technology because their, their technology skills have accelerated because they've had to. And even employers are coming on Board now. So, Gartner's survey of businesses said that 75% of them plan to permanently shift more people to remote work after the pandemic. And PwC did a similar survey and they said that half of companies are going to make remote work an option for roles that allow it. So, there's a push now from employers and employees and there's some really big opportunities in this area for organizations that choose to embrace it rather than saying pandemic's over let's go back to business as usual so let me talk about 10 things that could happen to the future workplace if we embrace some of these ideas and i'm going to group them into three areas so one is about attracting people and attracting the best people the next one is about how you keep them and the third one is about the business side so profits the first area Is about attracting the best talent and number one is that you can attract the best people regardless of where they live you don't only have to pick people who are in your local town because they happen to be the ones who can come to an office five days a week Uh, you now metaphorically the world is your oyster because you can choose from anybody anywhere in the world now there are some restrictions and particularly around things like time zones but given that you're going to be operating a team that's a hybrid team, some people in the office and some not, the people who aren't in the office don't have to be people who are just working from home one or two days a week. They can be from anywhere else in the world. Now, now some organisations are already doing this, where they've got global teams or distributed teams with team members from different states, different countries, but it hasn't been mainstream yet but now that can be the case so now when you start looking at the your recruitment processes and your marketing you don't have to restrict yourself only to the local area you can cast your net wider so number two is that you can build fluid teams and what i mean by that is that uh, the traditional way of working in an office is that you have the same group of people and they work on one project or one parcel of work they finish it they pick up another parcel of work and they continue Now. Now, that's okay, but really, do you really have the best people to work on each project or do you just have them working on the next project because they just happen to be in the office? They're the same team. So therefore, they get the next project. But what if you could have a fluid team? So for a particular project, you look around, you find the best people for that project and you bring them in. And many of them may not be in the office. They may not be part of your permanent workforce, but you bring them in for that project. They work on that project and then that team disbands and then whatever the next project is, you bring in a new team for that project. Now, as it turns out in practice, there'll probably be a core group of people who work together on each project, but you can bring in for periods of time, as required, um, other people to work on that project team. So you're you're building up these fluid teams and that the team structure is going to vary over time. Number three is that you can call in experts as required, and again, from anywhere around the world. So again, you've got a fluid team, but this time you just bring in people as you need them. And it could be just for a very short period of time, even for a single meeting. So suppose you want to bring in an expert or a consultant or somebody from a regional office, but you might think it's too expensive to fly them in and work with your team for a day or half a day, but... If you're comfortable with this virtual collaboration that people are getting used to now, then there's no reason why you can't bring your team together for an online meeting and then have that external consultant or that regional manager or or some outside expert join that meeting and they can provide their expertise and their ideas in that meeting. And then they leave at the end of the meeting. Now, again, for some organisations, it's something that they've been doing all the time, but but now more organisations will be thinking about that as a really feasible thing that they can do more regularly so they can bring in outside expertise when they need it. And the last thing in this area of attracting people is that you can find and recruit lost talent. So these are sort of people who are kind of outside your catchment area for a number of reasons. The first group are parents who want to work part-time. So this applies to particularly women So professional women who drop out of the workforce for a while because they decide that they want to have kids, and so they take the maternity leave and maybe extend it a little bit, uh, but then they want to get back into the workforce, and they don't want to come back as a full-time employee anymore, at least not immediately. And in the past, maybe their organisation didn't really cater for that. But if they can work from home part-time and uh, the rest of the team is comfortable doing that as they become comfortable now, then it means that you can tap into that really valuable skilled talent, which otherwise you might have missed out on. Another group are the people who've left because their partner relocated and they and their family move somewhere else. Again, if they can work from home, there's no reason why you can't have them as part of your team again because they might still be valuable employees. They just don't need to come to the office anymore. And then, of course, there are those who are less physically able. They can't come and work five days a week in an office for whatever reason. Again, if they were able to work from home, you could tap into their skills and talents without forcing them to come to an office. So we've looked at ways that you could attract and find the best talent. Now let's look at the second area, which is how you can keep them. So what, so what can you offer them that will entice them to stay? And again, now what we're talking about here is what's different now that we kind of got used to this idea that maybe they can work from home or have flexible working hours. The first of these areas, which is actually number five on our list of ten, is that you can throw out the idea of standard office hours and you can allow flexible working hours for everybody. That doesn't mean that everybody has full flexibility all the time. There may be some times that you want people to work so there's some overlap in working hours so you can coordinate team meetings all at the same time but apart from that you can allow a lot more flexibility. Again Lots of workplaces already allow this, but more of them can do that in the future because we will have this flexibility and we'll have these hybrid teams where some people are in the office, some people are working from home, some are from co-working spaces, some may want to work on weekends and they can cover some weekend shifts. Some of them might want to start work really early and finish early so they can then pick up their kids from school and have a lot of quality time for them after work others may want to have a break at dinner time and then do a couple of hours work late at night because they're night owls and that works for them so flexible working hours is something that you can offer in this post-pandemic workplace the next one which is number six is that you can offer more e-learning opportunities actually it's offering diverse learning opportunities so not everything has to be online learning It could be still that some people are going to be trained in a workshop and you bring a trainer in or you send people off to a training course, but there are other opportunities as well. So there might be people working from home who will do more online learning. There may be people in the office who will do online learning as well as in-person training. There may be people working from home if they're not in the same city that they will go off and do some training uh, with some local trainers so that they don't necessarily have to be doing the same training as the people in the office and there are other learning opportunities as well. So mentoring and coaching are also things that you can offer to your team members and again they don't always have to be done in person face-to-face. They can be done online, Even if they're done in person, they can be done at cafes and co-working spaces. They don't need to be done in the office. And the last one in this area, uh, number seven, is that you can promote a better work-life integration. So again, this is something that Many employees, particularly the younger employees, are looking for, so work is not just a place that gives them money, it's got to give them meaning, and also they're committed to other things outside work. And again, the Robert Half survey looking at COVID-19 in the workplace said that 60% of employees say that their work-life balance has improved because they don't have to commute to work when they were isolated and working from home. So despite the fact that uh, the isolation and working from home has put a strain on many workers and the way they've had to adapt to the, the new way of work, it's also improved their work-life balance in some other ways as well. Now let's look at this third area, which is about the business bottom line and profits. Uh, number eight in our list of 10 is that you can improve productivity by letting people work from home. Now the research has shown even before the pandemic that people who work from home are more productive. The jury's out on whether they're more innovative and more collaborative, but certainly they're more productive. And even during this time, when they've been forced to work from home, the Collier's research says that 50% of people say that their productivity hasn't changed as a result of working from home. So despite everything else that's going on around them, they're still as productive as working from an office. And when things settle down and we're looking in the future, when they're comfortable working from home, their productivity will definitely go up. So productivity, There's no question that productivity increases when people are working from home. The next one is that businesses can save costs. Setting up an office and having that whole infrastructure is expensive. So leasing space, is expensive, providing amenities is is expensive, the whole facilities management is expensive, and if you can save some costs by allowing some people to work from home or even pay for them to work from other places like co-working spaces, it can lead to significant cost saving. And the last one, number 10, is that you can go digital and create, finally, this idea of the paperless office, because the more paper you have, the less efficient you are, especially. When you've got this hybrid team, where you have got some people working from home and some people working from an office. Every piece of paper is an efficiency because it's much harder to share that than clicking a button and sharing an, an electronic document. And one of the reasons that people still want to have paper is that they're much more comfortable using paper, but we're adapting it. We're adapting fast. And I uh, point again that Robert Half survey said that many employees are saying they're nat- now more comfortable using technology because they've been forced to use it. So there are many reasons why we don't want to go back to the pre-pandemic workplace where everyone's working from the office. We've got this real opportunity now to be able to have these hybrid teams, these distributed teams. We've got some people working from the office, some working from home, some working from co-working spaces, and there's a big mix of them. In fact, there's some businesses and organisations or departments who've already decided that they're not going to go back to the office. They've realised that the office is not necessary anymore and everything that they need to do, they can do without going back to an office. There are some real opportunities ahead. Not everyone will embrace this idea, but the organisations who embrace this idea of the distributed team being the norm will be ahead of the game in the future. I hope you enjoyed that and learned something useful and valuable that you can put into practice. If you did get some value from it, please review and rate it at the place where you subscribe to this podcast because that helps promote it to other people as well. Many of us are coming to terms now with teams working from home but still needing ongoing professional development. And I offer a number of online programs about leadership, innovation, disruption, teams, being customer centric, and so on. You can find out more at gihansprograms.com. And if you want to engage with me in other ways, go to gihanperera.com, where you can find my blog, newsletter, podcasts, videos, and webinars, all free, all designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team, and of course, yourself. Stay safe and healthy. Bye for now. More show notes, past episodes, and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.